Um, yeah, Titus, Titus chapter 3 is where we're going to be tonight. And I, you probably already noticed, um, I'm, uh, you know, we're, we're doing basically a, t- a topical study and, and our, our subject overall here is um, the grace-filled life. So that's what we're, we're going to be talking about. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm using Titus because there's, there's a lot. And, of course, we're going to be looking at other passages as, as well. But um, there's, there's a lot here um, in regard to that topic. But I just thought we'd approach it this way instead of, instead of going all the way through and doing a verse-by-verse. Verse. Although we're going to cover quite a bit of it, I think, by the time we're done, Lord willing. Um, we're just kind of we're just jumping around a little bit. I'm trying trying to get like the the, the big picture here, and also bring in uh, other passages as well. But but living out um, what what we're going to call here the grace filled life, or to use some of the terms here in in uh, in uh, in Titus, for example, um, godliness, living out godliness, or good works. Th- th- these are major themes in the in the. Uh, well, they're major themes in the Scripture, but, but they're highlighted um, real well here in, in Titus as well. So, so let me just give a brief, because I'm kind of using it as my main text, what we, what we, where we were at the last week. So look back with me briefly to chapter 2, and then we'll, and then we'll go right into chapter 3. But chapter 2, verse um, 11, here's, here's the uh, kind of the, the main text we're using. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And then Paul tells Titus, um, Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. So um, this this is a major theme in Paul's instruction to Titus. In fact, uh, look back at, and, and if, you, if you, I recommend, by the way, reading reading through this. I mean, it's a short, short book. It only takes a few minutes, but read through Titus, uh, maybe sometime during the week, maybe two or three or four times. But watch for that kind of language. For example, look back in chapter one, verse one. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness. So. Um, there he talks about truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God who never lies promised before the ages begin. So the so, uh, point is he's, he's, he's using that kind of language all the way through here, um, repeatedly talking about sound doctrine, truth or sound doctrine, and um, the, the, uh, the effect that it has in, in, in our lives as we live it out. Uh, so... So again, 2.11 through uh, 15 is our, kind of our, our main text for this whole study. And then I'm just trying to uh, unpack it uh, using um, uh, not only other parts of Titus, but other parts of Scripture as well. All right, so what I want to do tonight is, is 
focus in, and we're still kind of laying a foundation here, but focus in on um, as our own experience as believers, what, what um, the impact that God's grace, the grace of God, as he says in 2.11 there, has, has had on us. So what, what I'm looking at tonight and thinking about is, is um, remembering the grace of God, all right? Because that's going to kind of lay the foundation uh, as, we, as we continue to talk about um, how, how it is, how it looks, how it is to be graceful. Now, when I say graceful, I'm using two L's on the end of that, so I'm not, I'm, you know, so I'm not talking about, you know, da- dancing around all, or, or, or moving, you know, flowing when you move or something like that. Graceful. Um, I'm talking about being graceful because if we really know experientially the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, if we really know God's grace experientially, then that's going to have a profound effect on how we live, how we conduct ourselves. That's why Paul talks about truth, for example, that accords with godliness. It's in, it's in harmony with godliness. It's consistent with godliness, um, godly living. What's, what, what is godliness? Real uh, simple, I think, description uh, to me that I, that I like, and it's almost the same word, but you just think of it this way, God-likeness. God-likeness. So that's what the, the Paul here is calling us to do, to, to live like God. That is to put on display for the world um, the, uh, the, the character of God, the grace of God. Live, live like God. Mimic God, Paul says. All right, so, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all, training us to renounce. We'll come back to that uh, later, Lord willing. Training us to renounce ungodliness, um, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright. So that's where we're going with it. Now look down at at um, chapter 3, uh, as, as Paul is uh, instructing Timothy, or Titus rather, along these lines and, and how, to, um, how to teach these things and how to exhort the people under his care, he says, chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authority. Now, some of these things right here, uh, I'll just, in, in, in verses 1 and 2 here, uh, this again, this again will be stuff we'll come back to, but but uh, we need to look at it now just for context. <clears throat> Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. All right. All of those are ways that that the the grace of God um, works in our lives, works through us. So if we if we're living a grace filled life, and the whole idea is this: we're we're going to be gracious in our conduct um, toward others. I mean, it's going to affect every relationship, and that's that's what godly living does. Um, you know, when Dr. Bram was here last week, he talked some about the the monastic movements over the over the centuries. Well, uh, 
you know what what they do in in, in monasteries. I mean, they, they they're basically isolating themselves from the world, supposedly to have um, greater, uh, more intimate fellowship with God. In other words, so that they can live a more godly life, a more spiritual life. Well, to me, you know, I, I look at the Scripture, and that's just a that way of doing it. Sorry about that. That way of doing it is just a um, a foreign concept. We're not, you know, we're not called to isolate ourselves so that we can be spiritual. We're we're our, you know, live um, in a godly manner. Uh, we're supposed to live godly um, right out in the open in the world, right? And and more specifically, um, it has to do with our. Um, our relationships with other people. So that's why you find so much of this kind of practical instruction uh, in in the Scripture on how to relate, uh, whether it be to you know workers to bosses or, or wives to husbands and husbands to wives or children to parents or parents to children. There's always these practical instructions of how to be godly in relationships. So, that, that, again, that's kind of where we're going. Now let's look, look again here uh, at chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, remind them to be submissive to rulers. So there's a good practical, uh, practical um, instruction. To be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, here's what I want to key in on. For, for tonight, this verse, verse 3, um, 3 and 4 and 5. For... We ourselves were once foolish. Now, let's let's put some emphasis here on that on that word for. I mean, th- this is going to be a, a a reason clause, reason statement. Now, like I said, the things that precede that I want to come back to later. I'm doing it in reverse order here. So Paul's saying, here's here's how you are to instruct them to live, be be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, no quarreling. And then he gives reason for, or you could paraphrase, for this reason, or because. He gives the reason behind everything he's just said. And here it is. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. There's part of the, the reason statement. We'll get to the rest of it in a minute. So, here's the deal. And Paul, Paul says, um, remind them to do these things because of this. And he's essentially saying to us, um, or talking to us about who we were. He's talking to believers about who we were. In other words, do this, be submissive, be obedient, be ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling. Why? Because you were just like them. People that are out in the world that are that are that are not doing these things that he's describing here. You you've been 
uh, delivered. We'll get to that in a moment. Brought out. But this, this is your past. Verse 3. This is my past. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions. Now, my own, my own kind of paraphrase there is this. We were um, moronic, rebellious, slaves to sin. That's us. That's where we, that's where we come from. Um, the, the word moron, I'm getting from that term foolish there. That's the, the, Greek, the Greek word. So we, Paul says, we, you, the ones that I'm talking to, and by the way, um, uh, he says, we, he, include, he includes himself, we ourselves were once foolish. We ourselves were, were once disobedient. In other words, we, we, we lived um, in disobedience to God. And that's why I use the term rebellion. Rebellion to God. We ourselves were once, were once led astray. Earlier I said, I mean, back in chapter 1, he talks about truth that accords with godliness. Well, Paul's saying, in our past, we weren't, we weren't following truth. We were disobedient. We were led astray, he says, slaves to various passions and pleasures. That's what was driving us. Now, we're, we're talking about um, our, our aim here now is, you know, grace-filled life, which is equivalent of a Spirit-filled life, another way of saying it, so that we're led by the Spirit. But where we came from, we were led astray. We were rebellious. We were foolish. And that's our past. And then he goes on, we, we ourselves, were, uh, we were driven by these uh, lusts, or the way he says it here, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. I mean, the, the whole, you know, the conduct's bad, the attitude is bad, R- relationships are bad, right, because, um, I mean, we're just, we're just living totally for self and, uh, and disregarding God's Word, God's truth, and uh, just totally giving over to our own, our, our, our own uh, passions and lust, sinful lust. And... Uh, so we were hated by others and hating one another. An extreme opposite of, of walking in love. Now, all of that sounds pretty heavy and pretty harsh. And it'd be easy to look at those things and, and think, um, wait, wow, I've seen some people like that. <laughs> and I, I can think of some people now that are like that. Miserable people, but I don't think I was ever quite like that, and Paul is saying, no, we were, we were, now think about Paul's own own background for a second, I mean, from all outward appearance, and I know as Christians, we, 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 um, we look at his testimony, and we think about him hauling Christians off to be um, possibly uh, killed or consenting to the stoning of Stephen, for example, and and boy, we see how how horrible that was, and so we think, wow, you know, what a what a cold-blooded guy. But 
from all outward appearance, I mean, if we had been there in that day, a contemporary of Paul, what we would have seen, again, from all outward appearance, was just a godly, upright, moral person. Because Paul, Saul then, was committed to the keeping of the law. He was zealous for the traditions of the elders and for the, for, the, uh, for the Jewish religion as a whole. What I'm saying is he would have been the kind of man that you would have been happy to have as a next-door neighbor, right? Because he's just a morally upright, in fact, very religious guy from all outward appearance. But here's, here's his own testimony of himself, or at least one of them. He's lumping himself in these categories. He's saying, this is where I came from as well. I mean, he's putting himself right in there with all of these pagans that he's talking about or to through, through Titus. And he just lumps himself in with them. We ourselves were once foolish. We ourselves were disobedient. We were led astray. We ourselves were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We ourselves were passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, and, and, and now, again, keep in mind, you know, Paul says um, we're, to, we're to live godly, right? We're to, um, in the way he says it in verse 1, I mean, just, these are just some of the practical uh, ways that this plays out, uh, living a grace-filled life, be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, and be ready for every good work, and so on. So Paul says, here's, here's, here's how we should be acting, here's what I want you doing. And now remember, down here in verses 3 and 4, we're in the, we're in the reason uh, statement. In other words, um, why should it be that way? Because we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing the days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, but, so now he's, he's going to draw a huge contrast here. I mean, he is shining the spotlight on this contrast. This is who we were. No different from everybody else. Essentially. Now, I know, you say, well, there's people out there who have committed murder, and I haven't actually committed murder. That's different, isn't it? I mean, I'm not quite as bad. Well, essentially, no, there's no difference. In other words, we're all dealing with the same sin nature. We have, it doesn't manifest exactly the same way in every person. But we're all, before Christ, we're all living totally for self, given over to the sin nature. So Paul says, there we were, no different from anybody else, but, verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Or, again, to paraphrase the way I like to say it, He rescued us. He rescued us. I mean, that's what the word, the word means. Or you could say delivered. He delivered us. So Paul's saying, there we were, caught up in all of that, and in the midst of that, God delivered us. So first, you know, remember who we were 
And then, what God did. Now remember, all, all of this is to, um, to help us um, live godly in this present world. So Paul's saying, remember who you were and then remember what God did. Well, who were we? Sinners, essentially the same as every sinner that's out there today. There's not, there's not two kinds of sinners out there in the world. Us, and then those really bad ones. <laughs> you know, No, we're all in the same boat when it comes to the sin nature. So what makes the difference then? Well, what God did. But, but let's be careful with that. Because again, it's, it's not that um, what, what God did made us inherently better. In other words, now that I know Christ, can I say, okay, now that I'm saved, now that I've been rescued, can I, can I, is it okay now to think of myself as better than those still out there in the world? No. In fact, I think it's exactly you know, Paul's reasoning here. We, we're in the same boat. We're essentially the same. The only reason we're not still um, out there is because of God's grace. In fact, he says it this way in verse 4. But when, this is who you were, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Us now, that word appeared. We, we've we've already seen that. In fact, I'm going to show you a couple places. Look back at um, chapter two, verse eleven. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, I think the main thing, of, of course, you know, Jesus came. We talked about that last week. So so there, you've got the ultimate um, display of God's grace in the in the person of Jesus Christ. But I think the main thing Paul has in view here. It's the gospel message. In other words, how did, how did the grace of God come to you and I personally? Or as a church. I mean, he's, he's talking to a, a body here. But how is it that the grace of God appeared to us? Well, it was through the preaching of the gospel. I mean, we had to hear the Word. So, um, as he says here, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared... He saved us. Look back in um, chapter 1 again. He uses a very similar word here um, in verse 2, similar to the word appeared. Um, But let me start in verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began... And at the proper time, now here it is, at the proper time manifested His Word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command, by the command of God our Savior. So at the proper time, Paul says, God manifested His Word in preaching. So this word of salvation, this message of the cross, the good news, what we call the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ was made known to us, unveiled, revealed, manifested to us. 
it, it appeared. This, this message, the Word. Sometimes that phrase, the Word there, is actually translated uh, message. So, so uh, that would be one way of thinking of it. Um, before the ages began, at the proper time, manifested the message in preaching or through preaching with which I have been entrusted, Paul says, by the command of God, our Savior. So, so God m- made the gospel known. He, he revealed His saving truth, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Or the way he says it in chapter 3, verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. That is, God rescued us, delivered us. Now, let's read on. There's a comma there after He saved us. And He goes on. In fact, this is actually reversed in, in, uh, in my, uh, my translation here. Um, and, I, and I didn't check. I think I read one or two others, but uh, probably the same in yours as well. Verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, verse 5 is, is uh, what I'm talking about here, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. Actually, that not because of works done in righteousness comes first. Not because of works done in righteousness, but because of His own mercy. He saved us. Rescued us, and it's usually in the in in the Greek that that is word order is is um, due to emphasis. In other words, what he's what he's wanting to emphasize, and that makes sense here. You think he he says, okay, here's where you were, foolish. Here's where we were, foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions, and so on. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. So he's, he's, he's talking now about God's rescuing us from who we were. And He gives the reason behind that. The reason for the reason, you might say, because I already gave you one reason. Um, what's the reason for us to, to, to live godly? Well, it's because... We were, everything listed in, verses, in verse 3 there, but God rescued us. Now, what's, what's the reason for, for that? That's where Paul's shining the light now. What's, what's the reason for this rescue? Now, you could come up with some answers. Well, you know, um, here's one I hear sometimes. God looked down through time. And he saw that I would make the right choices about things, you know, especially the gospel. And so he said, uh, you know, I'll take him because he made a good choice. I think you have trouble finding that in the Scripture, but, but uh, sometimes I hear that said. Or you might say, well, going back to what I was saying a moment ago, you might say, well, because some people are really, really, really bad I'm not, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. And so, when he saw me, he had something to, something to work with. 
something he could he could mold and shape and form, you know, guide, direct, because he saw some pliability in me and said, I can do that. I can use that. Well, no, you won't find that in Scripture either. I mean, it sounds good to the ego. <laughs> and it's so, it's so tempting for us to think that way. And I think that's why Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, puts the emphasis where he does. So he says, here's where we were. Here's what God did, but God, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He rescued us. So here's what God did. Here's where we were and here's what God did. We were sinners and God rescued us. Now, again, what, what's the reason that God rescued us? Well, he gives it in verse 4, the goodness and the loving kindness. I mean, that, that's what, that's what um, moved him to do it. His own goodness and loving kindness. In other words, Paul, Paul finds reason in God, not in us, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Let me see if I can find something real quick. I wanted to read this <clears throat> quote by John Calvin, if I can, uh, uh, in regard to that. Okay, Paul speaks not of that ordinary manifestation of Christ which took place when He came as a man into the world, but of the manifestation which is made by the gospel when he exhibits and reveals himself in a peculiar manner to the elect. Now, Calvin there is referring to verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. So Calvin's saying um, that's not, and, and I agree, he's saying that's not talking about um, the ordinary, he calls it, the ordinary manifesta- manifestation of Christ which took place when he came as a man, But what he's talking about is the manifestation which is made by the gospel when he exhibits and reveals himself in a peculiar manner to the elect. He therefore means that the grace of God appeared both to himself and to others when they were enlightened in the knowledge of the gospel. And then he goes on to say um, about his goodness, the the, the, uh, goodness and loving kindness here, um, that His goodness, that is God's goodness, prompts God to love us. <clears throat> so, um, so if we're looking for, you know, where's the source of the prompting? Was it, was it because I'm not as bad as everybody else? Was it because I make better decisions than other people do? Was it because um, when God saw me, He saw something He could work with? Was it because He, you know, I, I have righteous deeds and God was somewhat impressed and now, where's the source of the prompting for the, for the rescue? I mean, a lot of times when we uh, um, think in, in terms of rescue, um, we think in terms of worth, don't we? You know, well, I'll, I'll, you know, like Leslie may want to throw something away and Jordan wants to rescue it because, you know, that, that is worth rescuing 
are certainly uh, more and more seriously. When we when we think of people in trouble, like right now, you got uh, 300 girls being held captive over in um, Nigeria, and many people in the world want to, or you know, trying to. Hopefully, they're trying to figure out a way to to rescue those girls because they're human beings, and we think of them as being worth it. Rightly so, by the way, uh, we should think that way. So that prompts us to do something. But Paul doesn't find the source of the prompting in us. And I think Calvin's dead on here. He, he, he finds it in God. In other words, what prompts God to rescue us? His own goodness and loving kindness. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He rescued us. Or, let me turn it around again as he, he's, as he wrote it here. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, not because of works done. So he puts emphasis on that. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy, He rescued us. How did He do that? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So, here's, here's the grace that um, we are being called upon to remember here. And remember, I, last week I, I defined it as uh, grace, as, as being a, um, uh, the bestowal of, of God's benevolence. Right? The bestowal of God's benevolence. And it's, and it's totally undeserved, just like we've been talking about here and we talked about last week. It's just an expression of the goodness, the loving kindness of God. So, it is not, and this is what point Paul is driving home here, it is not because of works done by us in righteousness. But, there's the contrast. So it's not, it's not by our righteousness, but it is according to His own mercy. In other words, Paul's saying it's not according to our uh, righteousness, our works done by us in righteousness. It's according to His mercy. It's totally undeserved and prompted by His own goodness and loving kindness. So, and, and, and you know, and, and then just thinking in, in uh, thinking of being undeserving, all we got to do is is go back to verse three and look at that description of what we were: foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, hating one another. No, nothing there, we might say, to, to prompt God to act in our behalf. It, it's, it's just His own mercy out of His own goodness and loving kindness. So it's according to His mercy by, here's the means, by the washing of regeneration. In other words, how does God rescue us out of these things? He he. He imparts life, spiritual life to us. 
regeneration. The washing of regeneration. Here it's called the washing of regeneration. It certainly has a, a cleansing effect, right? To bring us out of disobedience. To, to take away the malice and the envy and the hating. To turn us from pursuing our own passions to pursuing the will of God. So it has that, that cleansing effect, similar to what Paul says in Ephesians 5 about the, the effect of the Word. Cleansing us, the washing of the water of the Word. So, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, notice how he describes it here in verse 7, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So, so you've got concepts in there like um, rescue, mercy, grace. There's nothing about us, you know, doing or achieving or earning or being owed anything. It's all of grace. Now, so, so there, there, there's a remembrance, all right, of, of the grace of God in our own life. In other words, we're, we're saved, we're Christians, we're believers because of God's grace, because of the grace of God extended to us, because of His mercy, because of His, and out of His own goodness and loving kindness. Now, and we'll, and we'll pick this up next week, Lord willing, but let me go back just briefly to verses 1 through uh, 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Paul's, Paul's giving some examples of the, there of, of grace-filled living this, this is how to be gracious. This is how to be. This is what it looks like to be graceful. Why, Paul? Because you've been recipients of grace. So, he, I mean, he puts that as the impetus, as the motivator. Because, you, I mean, it's just logical, right? Because you've received grace, and Jesus said freely. You've received now freely. Give. So what he's saying in a nutshell is live this life treating others the way God has treated you through Jesus Christ. All right. So I'm going to stop there. And like I say, Lord willing, we'll, 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 we'll pick up on that uh, next time. Uh, and begin to talk about some practical. These are just a few examples in verses 1 and 2. There are, there are others that uh, we plan to look at. But um, and we'll talk about that, the grace-filled life. But there, there's the backdrop for it. Because we've received grace, 
So how, here's just, a, just kind of a practical application of that. How could I, how, how can I, who, who am a recipient of grace, in other words, there's nothing deserving in me. So how can I, who am a recipient of God's grace, treat other people anyway but graciously? That's the logic there, I mean, because it would just be illogical to not do so, right? I mean, we do it because we're sinners, and that's why Paul is telling us <laughs> to, to kind of wake up to it here. All right. Any uh, thoughts or comments, uh, questions, or anything before we, before we dismiss? Jesus said, if you, if you love those who love you, what more do you do you know, than, than the sinners, than the Gentiles do? So he says, love, love your enemies. And that was a shocking thing for the Jews to hear. It was a shocking thing for us to hear, right? Love your enemies. Love those who persecute you. Pray for them. Right? Grace. Grace. So, so it's, not, it's not grace for grace in the sense, well, if they're gracious to me, I'll be gracious to them. No, what Jesus is saying, how, however they treat you, however, however you are dealt with, you're gracious. We are to be gracious to them because He's gracious to us. Instead of you know looking to them as our, the uh, uh, the impetus for our being graceful, it, it's Christ. And you see that in His ministry. You know He washed the feet of His disciples, and he, then He said, "Now, you wash one another's feet." So we, we do um, acts. You know we live in, in a gracious manner because He is gracious to us so the goal is you know reflecting his character in fact he tells us that doesn't he love one another as I have loved you he puts himself as the standard and you know as as we go through through this study like I, you know I said earlier this that's really another way of saying the same thing when we talk about living grace field what we're talking about is being full of the spirit um, so that so that <laughs> so that the Holy Spirit is is uh, driving, so to speak, you know, so that he's controlling uh, in, in our lives. What a difference that makes, right? I mean, in other words, instead of just me responding um, based on whatever, you know, how aggravated I am or how it made me feel or whatever, but instead of that, to, to be led by the Spirit in, in my response. And that's, that's what being full of the Spirit is, you know, to be controlled by him. So this is just another way of saying it. Grace field. Because he's the spirit of grace. Any comments on, um, on, on all the sessions with Dr. Brand? I should tell you, too, while I'm thinking about it, that um, Joel's got all the messages up on our website, including the one that he preached at the prison. So, um, so I know you didn't get to hear that one. Uh, so, but, but they're all available on the website, and, and that one is there also. That one is on the Rich Young Ruler. Uh, in Matthew 19, so one of the things you know that I love about the church—well, there are several things, I guess—but about the church history is, for, for, for one thing, it, it just helps you see, helps us see that we're we're part of something way bigger than us, way bigger than us, and um, uh, you know, and you see that in the Bible. You know, God God would identify Himself, for example, um, as the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. So even even though he's talking about somebody talking to somebody generations later, you know he identifies himself with those saints of 
the past, you know, particularly those. Um, so um, it, it, it's important to see. Um, another aspect, you know, is just providence. You know, you see when you look at history, you see how God orchestrates things, how he raises up, you know, some individual at a particular time in a particular situation like Martin Luther, for example, at the time of the Reformation, or John Calvin, whoever, um, and, you know, you see how he raises them up, how things get done, and, you know, and then other things happen. He raises somebody. So you just see the hand of God um, orchestrating events uh, in history. So, yeah, it's, it's very, very valuable. You see the, the, mis- the mistakes made, many of them, and, and uh, uh, false teaching, a lot of the s- same false teaching that we're having to deal with today, the church has dealt with centuries ago. And it's helpful to, to go back and, and read how these men of God um, dealt with it, how they articulated uh, truth in the face of, of uh, whatever the situation, you know, whatever the heresy was. So, yeah, it's just, it's just very rewarding. Um, God has blessed us with that, you know, a lot of that, with that information. A lot of it's available to us. All right. Um, he was, uh, I'll just say this too before we pray. He was very appreciative of, I think everybody already knows this, but, but the flowers that went to his wife, you know, he was, she, you know, he mentioned that several times because she was floored by it, and, um, and he was. And, uh, and then he also texted me later, and he's, that's, that's what he said about the love. He said, the love offering floored me. <laughs> so, so that blessed him as well. So uh, just let you know that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll dismiss. Father, again, thank you for your word, for these um, precious truths that we're considering here and learning about. And Lord, for your spirit that, uh, that works in us and it does lead us uh, and give us power uh, to live uh, godly in this present age. Lord, we, we just thank you for all that uh, you have done in our behalf and all that you're doing and continue to do. Lord, um, enable us to honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.